Before we get started today, I want to make you aware of a unique resource available to you. If you're looking for information or resources to improve your mind, body, and recovery, then sign up for my weekly newsletter, Adaptation. Every Friday, you'll get an email from me where I bring you cutting-edge science and tools you can use now to improve the way you look, feel, and perform. Sign up now by going to www.ericcorum.com or clicking the link in the show notes. Hi, everybody. This is Dr. Eric Corum, founder of AIM7. Welcome back to The Blueprint, where we distill cutting-edge science, leadership, and life skills into simple tactics optimized for your busy lifestyle and goals. Stress is a common experience amongst all human beings. We know it when we experience it, but what is it really, and how do we get better at adapting to it? That is going to be the subject matter I will be addressing over the next several months in a special new series on stress and adaptation. In this series, we'll review the history of stress, define it in more workable terms. We'll investigate how our body adapts to stress and the five pillars that we can leverage to become more adaptable so we can take on more stress with less cost because folks, stress is the key to growth, whether you like it or not. And if you want to improve your physical or mental fitness, chase a difficult goal, or just survive as a human in this chaotic world, you need to learn the skill of adaptation. So let's start today with the history of stress. The modern concept of stress can be seen in a book first published in 1932 by Walter B. Cannon called The Wisdom of the Body. Cannon was an American physiologist, professor, and chairman of the Department of Physiology at Harvard. And Cannon coined the term homeostasis, which he defined as the body's way of trying to keep itself in balance, or what he referred to as a steady state, or trying to keep the body in a constant state even when experiencing external shocks and stimulus. Cannon is also well known for the term fight or flight, which is an acute stress response activating the sympathoadrenal systems, which provides all living creatures with this ability to fight or flee from danger. He theorized that the sympathetic nervous system and the adrenal gland work together as a unit to maintain homeostasis in emergencies. In this case, catecholamines produced from your adrenal glands, which is two small glands located above your kidneys, increase heart rate, blood pressure, and move blood from like your digestive system and other organs to your working muscles to bias your body towards actions. And these catecholamines are widely known as things like adrenaline. This can be a positive aspect of stress. It's what enables you to shift into high alert when swerving to miss an oncoming car in traffic or maybe perform a heroic act to assist others. It's also what makes you feel like you're on edge. And like I said earlier, bias towards action. You want to do something when you're in a state of stress. In the late 1930s, Hans Selye, a Hungarian endocrinologist, arrived on the scene and upgraded our understanding of stress. Selye noticed that a typical series of physiological reactions occurred in the human body upon exposure to what he called non-specific threats, such as cold, surgical injury, or other noxious agents. He found that if exposure to these agents was severe or prolonged, it could lead to death or permanent harm. Selyer modeled this process in what he termed the General Adaptation Syndrome, or GAS, which is the sum of all non-specific systemic reactions of the body which ensue upon continued exposure to stress. And gas is characterized by three phases, alarm, resistance, or exhaustion. Well, let's start with the alarm phase or what's called an alarm reaction. And it's a non-specific mobilization phase, 
which promotes sympathetic nervous system activity, fight or flight, which we just talked about. The body is essentially mobilizing resources to deal with a perceived threat. If the imposed stressor or threat does not lead to death, like you took on some horrible type of disease or maybe, you know, cyanide or, you know, whatever bear got you, the alarm reaction is followed by adaptation or the second phase, which is resistance. Resistance is marked by complete adaptation to the stress with a disappearance of all symptoms. So like, let's say you were exposed to cold, like really bad cold exposure. And then, you know, your body's going through this alarm reaction and then you were, the cold exposure was taken away and your body adapted. Well, if it continues, if the application of the, of the stressor continues, the organism moves to a state of exhaustion. And before I go to exhaustion, I want to focus on resistance for a moment because during this phase, your body is working really hard to adapt. And you may think that you're getting used to the stress, but in fact, your body is still producing above normal amounts of stress hormones. There's also an increased secretion of glucocorticoids such as glucose uh, and amino acids and fats to pr provide the fuel to combat the stress. Another hormone, cortisol, can be chronically elevated at this point. Now, cortisol is not bad in and of itself as morning pulses in cortisol are what increase alertness. But chronically elevated cortisol can be detrimental to our health and normal function. From an objective standpoint, if you use a wearable device, this is a period of time where if you're in this resistance phase where you may feel okay, but your resting heart rate is elevated and your HRV is significantly lower than normal and you're looking at your device like, what is going on here? You may be dealing with something below the surface and you don't even know it right now. This process will continue until the stressful stimulus is either removed, like we said before, or the body's resources become depleted, leading to the final stage, exhaustion. So exhaustion is not good. And this is, occurs when adaptation resources are fully depleted. And this is when the organism can get really sick or even die. Now, my friend and colleague, Dr. Chris Morris, who's been on the show before and is our chief science officer at AIM-7, did his doctoral work in fluid periodization. And his dissertation is a hidden gem for those wanting to learn more about stress and adaptation. And I want to read you a quick excerpt from his dissertation regarding the exhaustion phase and how this relates to training athletes. The characteristics of the exhaustion phase could be the most significant relative to training adaptation and to the concept of the athlete readiness. At the time of Selye's first observation, he noted it was difficult to explain the loss of acquired adaptation. He hypothesized that every organism possessed a certain limited amount of adaptation energy, and once consumed, the performance of adaptive processes are no longer possible. And to confirm this hypothesis, Cellier introduced two noxious agents of different natures. During the alarm reaction, the resistance of the organism was increased to both stimuli. However, during the resistance stage, the nonspecific resistance of the second noxious agent vanished quickly, while the resistance of the initial noxious agent remained elevated. Thus, when an organism's resistance to a particular stimulus increases, its resistance to some other stimuli of a different nature simultaneously decreases. He concluded that adaptation to any stimulus is always obtained at a cost, namely the cost of adaptation energy. 
This is one of the key concepts that we're going to be diving into later is this concept of adaptive resources. So I want you to hold that thought in your mind because this is where we're going to stop today. Next time, we'll discuss an updated view on stress that will bring all of this together. But here's the key take home, okay? Stress is abundant. It's kind of hard to nail down, but you know it when you experience it. It affects everyone, but stress in the form of hard work, studying, exercise, or stress inoculation for a specific application, like let's say jumping out of a plane, is the key to growth. Over the next several months, I'm going to teach you how to harness the power of stress to improve your ability to adapt to it so that you can pursue audacious goals, thrive in uncertainty, and live a healthy and fulfilled life. Thanks for listening to the Blueprint Podcast. If you love this episode, please take a screenshot on your phone and post it on Facebook, Instagram, or wherever you post stuff. And be sure to tag me and tell me why you like this episode and what you'd like to hear about in the future so I know what content to create for you. Thanks again for listening, and I'll catch you on the next episode.